and Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. I know that was a lot of reading in a short amount of time. But uh, uh, this is really not, not a whole lot different than what we find in the burnt offering. And what you'll see between the peace offering and the burnt offering are some similarities. But there are also uh, some contrasts here given. So uh, here it says that if, it, uh, that if it's uh, an offering made of the herd, and if you remember from the burnt offering, that would be of the bigger animals, of oxen and uh, 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 cattle and things along those lines. If it if be one of that, uh, that uh, they can uh, they bring this offering uh, the same way that they would a burnt offering and the hand is laid on this offering just as it was in the burnt offering and we talked about that in Leviticus chapter 1 how that is not a magical transfer of sin uh, into the animal to be given and it's especially not that in the peace offering it is an identification with that animal yes but uh, there's, there's a lot of folks out there that will actually teach that your sin is somehow magically transported from your body into the body of that animal and then the animal is killed because God must punish sin that's not what it is my sin is not transferred into that animal I'm identifying with that animal and I'm claiming that animal uh, if I was a Jew back uh, 1500 years before Christ I would have claimed that animal as my substitutionary sacrifice for my sin. And that's what the laying on of hands was, was identifying uh, with that animal. But uh, after, after this happens, after the laying on of hands, the animal is killed just as it is in the burnt offering. And uh, it gives an order here. It says, Aaron's son shall burn, burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is uh, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. This is a very significant verse, uh, verse number five here. It says that the peace offering is laid upon the burnt offering. Folks, this peace offering wasn't for the atonement of sin. The atonement of sin was made with the burnt offering. And the atonement of sin was made every day. There was a morning oblation and there was an evening oblation. There was a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. There was always a burnt offering going on in the camp of Israel. And this peace offering was to be laid upon the burnt offering. The atoning was being made in the burnt offering. So what's the purpose of the peace offering if the atoning is already be, being made? The purpose of the peace offering was not uh, to, to make atonement for sin. Once again, that was the burnt offering. The peace offering was a celebration. It was a thanksgiving unto God because of the burnt offering, because of reconciliation. It's laid on top of the burnt offering. It's not The burnt offering isn't scooted to the side. It isn't gotten out of the way. The peace offering is brought uh, uh, and placed upon the burnt offering. And once again, that was, uh, and we'll see it later on, and a couple of the other places that we want to go. This was made in a, in a celebratory manner because of the atoning, uh, atoning of sin, because of the forgiveness of sin and the reconciliation of God to man and of man to God. So this peace offering wasn't to obtain peace with God. And that's what, that's what where people get this messed up with. The peace offering wasn't to, to gain that peace with God. Peace had been gained through the, through the burnt offering. This peace offering was, was an offering made to celebrate the peace that they had with 
with God and to thank God for the peace that they had with him. That was the purpose of the peace offering. And that's why it's so important to see that the peace offerings, uh, and some people uh, uh, refer to this as different things. Some people refer to it as the fellowship offering. In fact, other English translations of the Bible have it listed as a fellowship offering. And uh, you'll, see, uh, you'll see why in Leviticus 7, hopefully here in just a little bit. Uh, but whether you call it the peace offering or the fellowship offering, it was given because of the reconciliation that God had with man and man uh, had with God, not to obtain peace with God. Peace was obtained through the burnt offering. So we'll continue on in verse 6. It says, And if his offering for a sacrifice, a peace offering, unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offer a lamb for his, uh, for his offering, then, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about upon the altar. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat thereof, and the whole rump. It shall, it shall he take off hard by the backbone and the fat that covereth the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, uh, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, and the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn upon the altar, it is a food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. So, once again, a lot of reading in a short amount of time. There's a couple of things different in this one, though, that, that we don't, in the, in the offering by the flock that we don't find in the offering by the herd. One of them is this word rump, and it means exactly uh, what, what we think that it means. It means the very hindquarters, and it says that he should remove it hard from his back. That means he's got to go up onto his, uh, up, on up onto his back. You, if you uh, uh, read this with me, you read a lot about fat in these offerings. The fat <coughs> was the best part. The fat was the richest part of the animal. We look at fat, here in the West, and we think, well, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to cut fat out of my diet. And they, they didn't look at fat like that back in the Bible days. Fat was the richest, and it was the most tasteful part of the animal. When you think about it, folks, when you, when you cook, cook a good steak, we'll say, where does the flavor come from? Yes, there's some flavor in the meat. But if you cook it in a pan, where does that extra flavor come from? It comes from the fat that's inside of it. Why do we save grease off a of sausage? Why do we save grease off of bacon? That grease is nothing more than fat because it gives things flavor. Why do we pour that grease in, in, into, into flour and milk and make gravy out of it? Because without that grease, there would be no flavor. It just tastes like flour and milk, which isn't too appealing to me. But that, but that grease, the fat, it gives it flavor. And these people here, uh, in this time, the fat was the richest and the tastiest part of the animal. And God says, that part's mine. The part that you want the most out of these animals, it's mine. And the, uh, where it talks about removing, uh, removing uh, the rump hard from the back, there was a certain Syrian sheep. Uh, at this time that uh, its tail weighed up to uh, between 12 and 15 pounds. It was full of fat and it was a very tasty part of this sheep that these people wanted. And God says, no, that part's mine. You give me the best, just like with the burnt offering. It had to be a male. It had to be offered without spot and without blemish. Just like the, uh, the meat offering. God wanted the best that the people had. He not only wanted the best, but he wanted the first fruits 
of what they had. They bring those first fruits, and that was the guarantee of the harvest to come. And here in this peace offering, God says, you give me the best. God always wants our very best. Even if our best isn't very good in the world's eyes, even if our very best isn't very good in the rest of the church's eyes, as long as I know it's my best, and as long as Almighty God knows it's my best, that's all that really Amen. matters. God wants the best, and he wanted the best part of these sacrifices, and your best will cost you something. It may not cost you anything monetarily. It may not make a ding in your checking account, but your best will cost you something. Like I said, these fat parts of these animals, they were very valuable to these people, and that's why God said, this is going to cost you something. I want that part. You can have the rest. You're going to feast on the rest yourself, you and your friends and the priests and everyone else. You're going to feast on the rest of this animal, but I want the best parts. I want what you see to be the tastiest parts of, the, of these sacrifices. And that's why we're reading some of the things that we are. Uh, verse 12, and if his, uh, wait a minute, before we go to verse 12, I forgot. What else is different between these and this and the burnt offering that we've read here? You can offer either a male or a female here. What's so significant about that? Well, the burnt offering, it had to be a male. Had to be a male. God specified that. But here in this peace offering, it can be male or female. God was not concentrating so much on atonement in this as the effects of atonement. Once again, this was a celebration of the offerer for the peace that he had with God. God wasn't, wasn't so concerned as, as concerned about the atonement itself as he was the effects of said atonement, the effects of reconciliation. How did you feel when you were saved? I remember how I felt. I felt like I had 33 years of sin lifted off of me. I felt like I'd been forgiven for 33 years of blackness and darkness in my life. I felt like I'd been forgiven and I shouldn't have been. And that, yeah. that, that puffed up a celebratory attitude within me. And, of course, that, that was the Holy Spirit that God had moved inside of me instantaneously the moment that he saved me. And, 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 and yes, I wanted to praise God. And, yes, I wanted to tell people. And to this day, I want to praise God. Amen. And I want to tell people about Jesus Christ and about his goodness and about reconciliation and about the burnt offering that he made of himself on a cross at Calvary so that not only my sins can be forgiven and I can be reconciled to God, but that anyone who comes to him in faith and repentance can be forgiven Amen. and have reconciliation with their creator. Thank so, God. Like I said, the, the male or female in this peace offering, uh, God, God wanted, didn't want the atonement itself concentrated on as much as how the atonement would make us feel and how our attitude towards him would be. This was a thanksgiving offering. This was a free will offering. Thanksgiving offerings were free wills. God didn't make people give him thanks. God wanted thanks, yes, and God wanted praise, yes. But no thanksgiving offering that you read about in the scripture was a commandment of God. They were all free will offerings. And this peace, the peace offering was a thanksgiving offering or a free will offering. Now on to verse 12. And if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about. 
and he shall offer thereof his offering, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor. All the fat is the Lord's. It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that ye eat neither fat nor blood. So here we have another pretty significant difference here. We have a goat that's mentioned. Now, you can say, well, that could be the flock. And yes, it could. But this goat kind of takes the place of what the turtle dove would have taken the place of in, in the burnt offering. Remember, in the burnt offering, we had the, the offering of the herd and the offerings of the flock. Then we had the offering of the offerings of fowl, really, or of birds. And turtle doves or pigeons were allowed. Those were for the poor folk. And the, uh, this goat is significant here. Now, some people will say that this goat was inserted here by the Lord uh, to once again take the attention away from the type of sacrifice that it was. We all know that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. We, we read that uh, several times over in the New Testament. We know that he was referred to as the Lamb of God, not only by John the Baptist, but by John the Revelator as well. Uh, but, and, and we realize this, and some people will say, well, this is taking the attention away from that Lamb of God and, and making Jesus a goat, and they'll, and they'll say that that's an impossibility, that that happens. Well, folks, once again, it's not, it's not the, the offering that, that, that we're to be concentrating on. It's the effects of the offering. It's the peace that we have with God uh, is the reason that we're giving this offering. Yes, we can, uh, we can say that, that a goat is a picture of Christ. Well, if, if Moses can hold up a serpent in the wilderness, and that can be a type of Christ or a picture of Christ that Christ named himself in John chapter 3 in the New Testament, then folks, why can't a goat be the same way? Why can't a goat be that type of sacrifice? Uh, it's, it's not the type of sacrifice. And people will say, well, that, that couldn't have been Jesus. I mean, a serpent is a picture of evil. A serpent's what beguiled Eve into sinning to begin with. And yes, that's true. But nevertheless, we have the type in the book of Numbers of, of Moses holding a serpent up when God sent fiery serpents into the camp of Israel and he commanded Moses that he make a brazen serpent. He make a serpent out of brass and hold it up on a pole and that pole and that any man that looked upon it, any man that looked upon it, just gazed upon it for a second, they would be healed of the poisonous bites of those fiery serpents. And Jesus Christ made that out to be a picture of himself in the New Testament. So if we can have a serpent being a picture of Christ, we can have a goat being the same. And it's not evil at all. And, I'm not, and, and anybody that makes it evil uh, needs to read a little bit deeper in the, into these types. But verse 17 again, it says, It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that you eat neither fat nor blood. You eat neither fat nor blood. Does that mean because I like steak medium rare that I'm going to hell? Absolutely not. What are we specifically talking about in this context right here? Now, we can go on into Leviticus and get into more about the blood and not eating the blood. We're not going to do that tonight. But in this specific context here, we're talking about an offering. We're talking about an offering that is being made 
unto God. He says, you're not to eat the fat of this offering. The fat is mine. We just read it a, a couple of verses ago. All the fat is the Lord's. We're, we're specifically talking about this offering. Not, not to mention, God was giving uh, this law to a bunch of Jews, once again, about, about 3,500 years ago. Uh, and I'm not a Jew, nor was I around 3,500 years ago. Uh, this law about uh, not eating blood does not necessarily apply to me. He applied it to his people. He had a purpose for doing that, and that purpose was because the, Can uh, the Canaanites and the Moabites and the Perizzites and all those other rites that we read about in Scripture, they're the ones that done that, and they're the ones that enjoy doing that, and God says, you're going to be separate from how those people are. Just like not eating shellfish, just like not eating pork. There was nothing sinful about those particular animals, although I know the, the Bible calls them unclean. But God had a purpose in that, and it was to separate his people from all those people that were around him. So that anybody that said, no, I don't eat pork, that will offend my God, they would know that was one of God's people. They would know that was a Jew. That was one of the people that God delivered from the other side of the Red Sea out of the bondage of Egypt. That was a separation that God wanted his people to have. And I'm getting way off track with my teaching tonight. So y'all forgive me for that. He says, uh, another thing we've read a couple of times here in Leviticus chapter 3 was that this was, uh, this was food. It was meant for food. And that's what we're going to get into next. If y'all flip with me over to Leviticus chapter 7. I really wanted to split this into two separate lessons. But I couldn't figure a good way to do that. So that's why I'm talking really fast tonight. I'm trying to cram it all in. in. Leviticus chapter 7, beginning at verse 11. Now we've read about the peace offering. We've read about what the peace offering is. We've talked about what it was for. That it was not to obtain peace with God. Peace was obtained through the burnt offering that was uh, brought out in Leviticus chapter 1. Now we're going to read about the law of the peace offering. So Leviticus chapter 7, beginning at verse 11, says, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a, for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil, of fine flour and fried. Boy, that sounds kind of like Leviticus chapter 2, don't it? What we were reading about the meat offering there, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Remember last week we talked about how the, the, the unleavened cakes would be, uh, they would be concocted with the oil uh, mingled in with them, but the wafers would be just hard crackers, really, is uh, what they're talking about, and they would be dabbed with oil. And uh, he says this, is, uh, this was the law of the peace offering with this. He says if, if he offered for thanksgiving, then shall he offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. So this is something in, a, in addition. He shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then verse 3, or 13, I'm sorry, besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. Well, my goodness, we've gone from unleavened bread to leavened bread. And we talked about this last week. We talked about how leaven is really a picture of sin. It's a picture of evil more often than not in the scripture. Is it any different here? Does it mean anything different? Not really. It doesn't. In verse 12, we'll read it again. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, 
And he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil, a fine flour. This is the Christ part. This is the part talking about Christ and about the, the, the peace offering. Remember, we're talking about the law of the peace offering here in Leviticus chapter 7. And this is, this is the part talking about Christ. That's why it's got unleavened bread in it. Then you get to verse, verse 13. Besides the cakes, besides these things, this is in addition to the cakes, in addition to the wafers. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. This, was, this is uh, our uh, reaction to what we are doing. This is us. This is, uh, this is our part of it. First of all, we're, we're offering uh, uh, this thing, uh, this, these unleavened cakes and unleavened wafers, anointed with oil, sanctified, consecrated, anointed, set apart. Just, like, just as God does us with the Holy Spirit, we're all, if we're born again, we're all anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's the common anointing that everybody that is born again has. Uh, and, and we all have. And uh, so we have there in verse 12, the, the cakes and the wafers. And he says, besides the cakes, though, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. So this is not only the, uh, the part of Christ. This is the part of the offer toward what Christ has done or toward what God has done. Remember, folks, this was 1,500 years before Christ was ever born. These people didn't know the name Jesus Christ. They knew there was a promised Messiah. They knew that there was, there was a, a seed that would be born of a woman that was going to bruise the head of the serpent. They understood the promise of these things, but they did not know the name Jesus Christ yet. But all these things are a shadow of what was to come. All of these offerings were a shadow of Christ, and they were a shadow uh, of what was to come. And, and you know, we've talked about it. I've heard Vern talk about it. Y'all heard me talk about it. Everything in the Old Testament, as far as what you read about these offerings in Leviticus, as far as what you read over in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers to do with the tabernacle and everything thereof, it was all a foreshadow pointing directly at the Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. Every one of those things, not only the tabernacle, but the altar itself, the labor was, the shoe bread was, the table that the shoe bread sat on, all of these things, uh, the candlesticks, everything was a picture and a shadow of what was to come, which, uh, which was and is Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priest that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for, uh, for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. So here in verses 14 and 15, it says, and of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto the Lord. And unfortunately, the absolute definition of heave offering has been lost to history. Now, I can, you can read in Jewish history, you can read in books, you can look it up online, and there's several different interpretations of what the heave offering actually was. Uh, the best interpretation that I found that I can probably buy into, because I've read some really off-the-wall stuff, but the best one I can buy into was it was simply an offering that was thrusted up toward heaven. And we'll see, we'll see it again here in just a little while in Leviticus chapter 7 uh, as far as the, the meat of these offerings goes. 
But don't get too caught up in that heave offering, because like I said, uh, from the time of Leviticus until 2023, where we're at now, no one, not even the most educated rabbi on the planet right now can tell you for certain what the heave, uh, heave offering was. Uh, verse 15 again, the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for Thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offering. The, offer, the flesh of this. Now folks, that doesn't include the fat. Remember we read over in Leviticus chapter 3 all the fat is the Lord's. Every bit of it. But the rest of it went to the offerer. And it not only went to the offerer, but it went to the priest, it went to Aaron, it went to his sons. This was, uh, this was part of their meal. This was part of what uh, they could consume. God, God says, I don't want all this. You're going to share in this. And that's why it's called the fellowship offering. And it's not only fellowship with God. But folks, this, this highlights fellowship with our fellow man, fellowship with other believers. This was fellowship with other Jews, other people that God had delivered uh, from Egypt, uh, other people of a like faith, if you'd like to phrase it like that. But it was fellowship with those, with those that were like us. And it was fellowship with God. Uh, verse 16, but if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice. And on the morrow also, the remainder of it shall be eaten. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can offer this peace offering. One is just simple thanksgiving unto God. Simple thanksgiving for the peace that you have with God. But here we read about another way or another reason, if you will, uh, that the peace offering can be offered. And it's because a vow has been fulfilled unto God. We, uh, we know about vows. If you've uh, read much in the Bible, it's uh, better, best not to vow a vow unto God uh, and, and keep it. Or it's better just not to vow a vow unto God, really, uh, because we're human. But if we vow a vow unto God, we better keep it. And a peace offering was offered uh, at the time that that vow was fulfilled. A great example of that is Hannah. When she brought Samuel uh, to the temple, she offered a peace offering. When she done that, she fulfilled a vow. You remember Hannah prayed unto God for a son, and, and, uh, and God gave her a son, and, uh, and she said, you know, if you give me a son, I'll give him to your service all of his days. And she kept him till he was finally weaned. But when she brought him, uh, when she brought him to give him over, uh, to the service of the Lord, she offered a peace offering. And that's, that's a uh, fulfillment of what we're reading here uh, in verse 16. Verse 17, but the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. So they've got two days to eat this offering up. He says it needs to be consumed on the first day. He says, but if it goes on into the second day, that's fine. On the third day, ain't nobody needs to eat of the meat of this offering. God says it's to be consumed by fire. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. And if the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted. Neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity. And we look at that and say, well, I eat leftovers three days old. What's wrong with doing that? I'll tell you what's wrong with doing it. God said not to do it. That's what's wrong with it. There's nothing physically wrong with the food. God simply made a commandment. He said the first and the second day you can eat of this meat. The third day you don't do it. That's all we need to know. We don't need to know God's behind the scene reasonings for it. God simply said you don't do it. It is to be burnt with fire. 
And so that's that's what these people had to do. And and we look at it and we say it shall be an abomination. The soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity. In other words, the entire offering process, the entire peace offering process, from the from the first day when it's first offered and the offerer puts his hand on it and kills it, and Aaron and his sons do their thing, they sprinkle the blood, and it, and the fat is offered up on the altar because all the fat is the Lord's, and they, and then they offer uh, uh, this grain and the unleavened cakes and unleavened wafers, and they offer their leavened bread and all these other things. They can ruin the entire fellowship with God by eating of this meat on the third day. Folks, we can do the same thing with our lives as New Testament Christians. We can worship God. We can pray. We can read the Bible. We can walk just, you know, two peas in a pod, as the saying goes, with God. But when we start doing what God says not to do, we ruin our fellowship with God. I ain't saying God's ready to cast you into hell at that point, but you ruin your fellowship with God. Are you cast out into outer darkness at that point? No. No. And thank God we're not. But we can absolutely wreck the fellowship and the relationship that we have with God. But praise God, we can go all the way back to Leviticus 1. And we can bring the burnt offering. We can bring the burnt offering back to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. We can go to God and we can say, God, I know you reconciled yourself to man, and I'm here to reconcile myself back to you. I shouldn't have sinned. I shouldn't have done what I did. I shouldn't have strayed to the right or the left. I should have stayed on the straight and narrow. And that's how we get back in fellowship with God. Repent. Thank God for repentance. Repentance ain't just for the ain't just for someone wanting to be saved or someone that's come to be saved. Repentance is just as much for saved people as it is for lost people. Repentance should be a daily part of your life. Why? Because you sin every day, and I sin every day. We've got to repent every day. Crucify the flesh daily. Mortify the deeds of the flesh, as Paul wrote in the New Testament. And that's a daily thing that we've got to do. So, if we go eat the flesh on the third day, folks, we can always go back. We can always go back to that burnt offering. The burnt offering of Jesus Christ. He was, he was completely and wholly offered. Just as that offering was Leviticus 1. Uh, verse 19, And the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten, it shall be burnt with fire. And as for the flesh, all that be clean, all that be clean shall eat thereof. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that pertain unto the Lord, having his uh, cleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off. From the people. The, uh, again, verse 20. The soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that pertains unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Folks, we can't worship God if we're unclean. These people couldn't. Now, what made them unclean? All kinds of things made them unclean. I praise God. If you don't appreciate Jesus Christ, you read through the book of Leviticus sometimes. You read through the book of Leviticus. You read just just uh, just uh, about three chapters worth of, of leprosy and what leprosy done to people, what leprosy uh, caused to happen in people's bodies, and the cleansing methods. 
that was used for leprosy and having to call the priest and not only to call the priest for the person but you had to call the priest for the household you had to call the priest uh, for, for the clothes that the people were wearing and there were all kinds of rules and stipulations and regulations and statutes and laws that governed this that were given by almighty God if you don't appreciate Jesus Christ he can just cleanse you of that leprosy or sin read through the book of Leviticus sometime Amen. these people had it rough they did. I don't. I don't. I don't envy a Jew not one bit. Fifteen hundred years before Christ, I don't. They had it rough, but these were laws given by God unto not the heathen and not the pagan. They were given to His people. His people. The soul that He is the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having His uncleanness upon Him, even that soul shall be cut off from His people. We can't worship God if we're unclean. That's why we need to begin our prayers with, first of all, thanksgiving that God is who he is and that God is a forgiving God and thanksgiving to God for that burnt offering, for Jesus Christ, forgiving himself, that I could be reconciled to God and God to me. We begin with acknowledging whom God is and what God has done in our lives. Then we might go on to repentance of sin. Then we might move on to some other things. Folks, we can't worship God if we're unclean. And you might say, well, Spencer, you know, I, I, I've heard you say it, and I've heard Vern say it, and I've heard countless preachers say it that we sin every day. I've said it since I've been standing up here, and we do. That means we're, that means we're unclean every day. But folks, praise God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm made clean, and I'm seen as clean. I'm seen as clean in the eyes of God. Even, even though I might feel wretched, and I might feel weak, I'm seen as clean, and I'm seen as holy, and I'm seen as righteous in the eyes of God. But how do we how do we become unclean? How do these people become unclean? By touching a dead body. They can become unclean by that. By, by touching someone with leprosy. They didn't even have to be dead. They were considered unclean uh, for that. There, there's all kinds of ways that people can be deemed unclean. We're all adults in here. Women, their time of the month. They were deemed unclean. Their husbands, if they touched their wives at that point, the husbands were deemed unclean. There's all, way, all kinds of ways to be seen as unclean here. Like I said, if you don't appreciate Jesus, read the book of Leviticus. Read it. Jesus is a whole lot easier. Salvation is a whole lot easier with Jesus than it was by obeying the law. There was no salvation by obeying the law. There never was salvation. Salvation's always been a faith. Uh, but that's, that's a whole other lesson. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering, I'm sorry, that's verse 20, I just read that. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing, as the uncleanness of, of man or any unclean beast or any abominable unclean thing, and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. And once again, folks, just to reiterate, this is after everything else to do with the peace offering that we're talking about. This is the very end of the peace offering that we're talking about. I ate flesh the first day. I ate flesh the second day. What's wrong with a little nibble here on this third day? I hate for all that meat to go to waste because God said not to do it. That's why that can ruin the entire peace offering that, that we're given unto God. Verse 22, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Ye shall eat no matter of fat or uh, of ox or of sheep, or of goat, 
and the fat of the beast that dieth of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beast may be used, uh, and any other use where you shall no wise eat of it. For whoever eateth the fat of the beast, of which men offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, even the soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be a fowl or a beast, in any of your dwellings, whatsoever soul it shall be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this blood thing, but we know from the book of Leviticus that the, that the life was in the blood, and the blood is life. And God said, do not eat of the blood of any sacrifice or of any uh, animal. You don't eat that. Why was that? Because God said to. There's all kinds of reasons we can get into and all kinds of speculation, actually, that we can get into. But, once again, all these laws that we're reading about here, they were a shadow. They were a shadow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How is remission of sin obtained through the shedding of blood? I think this was a reminder to these Jews you're not to eat the blood. You remember the blood that you struck on the post and on the side post of your doors in Egypt. You remember that blood. You were delivered because of that blood. You didn't suffer the plague of the death of the firstborn that I pronounced on Egypt. It was because of blood that you've done that. You remember the sacrifice that Almighty God had to make when he had to kill an innocent animal in the garden so that he could clothe Adam and Eve because for fig leaves wasn't doing his job. You remember the blood done this. In the blood is life. And blood is life in the Bible. And I think this was a constant reminder of these Jews that, that blood is, is life. And life is in the blood. And it was a foreshadow of the life that we have in Jesus Christ through his shed blood. If all of these things are foreshadows, that would be the foreshadow for this. So they were not to eat of it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, He that offers the, offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings unto the Lord shall bring his oblation unto the Lord for the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands shall bring the offerings of the Lord made by fire, the fat with the breast it shall bring that the breast may be waved for a wave offering before the Lord. Don't get too caught up in this wave offering. It's just like the heave offering. The, the true definition of it has been lost in history over 3,500 years of time. However, once again, the, the best explanation for it that I've found that I can buy into is it's just what it says that it is. It was a wave offering. The priest would take it and he would wave it before the Lord. As if to say Look what I've got. I've got this offering. Remember, it's called a wave offering to the Lord. Anything that we give to the Lord, it's an offering that, uh, that we're giving unto him. But like I said, don't get too caught up uh, in the wave of the heave offering here. Uh, that the breast may be waved for the wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat upon the altar, but the breast uh, shall be Aaron's and his sons and the right shoulder shall you give unto the priest for a heave offering uh, of the sacrifice of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron that offereth the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right shoulder for his part. For the wave, uh, for the wave breast and the heave shoulder have I taken of the children of Israel from off the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them unto Aaron the priest unto his sons by statute forever from among the children of Israel. 
So God says, we're going to take all these parts. The fat is mine. All the fat is mine. But we're going to take these parts off of it. These meat offerings, you're going to give them to the priest. The rest is yours. Feast on it. Remember, this is something that God has given these people, though. These people, yes, they brought the sacrifice. They brought the offering unto God. Yes, they done that, and they went through all, all of this, what we would call rigmarole. They went through all the, all the stipulations of the offering. It's offering. And all this meat is out there now. And Aaron's sons get a part. The priest, the, uh, the anointed priest got, the, got a part of it. The priest that done this got his part. So on and so forth. But folks, it turns into a feast for not only the priests, not only Aaron and his sons, but for the offerer as well. And they sit down in fellowship over what? Over the peace that they have with God. Just what we began with tonight in Leviticus chapter 3. It was peace that they had with God. What happened to the Israelites though? They turned the peace offerings and the burnt offering and the meat offering and all the other offerings. They turned it into lewdness. They turned it into lasciviousness. And it wasn't just on the third day that we're talking about. Over time, God got to where he said, I don't want anything to do with your offering. And even God mentions the order of them. He says, I don't want anything to do with your burnt offerings, your meat offerings, or your peace offerings. And he gives it in that order. You turn over in the book of Malachi, chapter 1. That's exactly what had happened. They had turned all the offerings in, into lewdness, lasciviousness. It, it didn't matter. And God had called them out on He said, your bread offerings that you're bringing, they're polluted. He said, would you offer the lame and the sick to your governor, would he accept you if you did that? And yet you're giving it to me, expecting me to accept you if I do that. Once again, it's Malachi chapter 1. You read in Proverbs chapter 7 about a certain woman that's, uh, that's pictured there. And what does she tell the young man that she's seducing? She says, I have peace offerings. She had been to the temple or to the tabernacle she had been where she was supposed to go. She had taken her peace offering. And she had gone through all the steps of it. Done everything she was supposed to. But instead of sitting down in fellowship, what she do? She took her peace offerings and she ran home. And she made, she made a filthy feast out of it to seduce men on the streets. Proverbs chapter, chapter 7, you can read that. We won't read through all of it tonight for time's sake. But... With all that being said, I would like you to turn to Psalms chapter 66 with me. Psalm 66. We'll blow through the whole thing real quick. 
Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing unto thy name, Selah. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the, the rebellious exalt themselves, Selah. Oh, bless our God, O ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water. But, praise God, thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offering. I will pay thee my vows. There's the burnt offering. And there's a vow being uh, uh, being paid. I will go to the house, thy house with burnt offerings, and I will pay thee my vows. With my lips have I uttered, and with my mouth has, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings, with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Selah. Come and hear, all ye that fear God. And I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended unto the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Did you see the peace offering? We read about the burnt offering twice. And then he says, I will offer in verse 15. We read about the burnt offering first in verse 13, then in verse 15. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the incense of rams. That's the burnt offering. I will offer bullocks with goats. We just read about goats. We only read about goats specifically in Leviticus 3. Now, once again, in Leviticus 1, that could be a sacrifice of the flock. But we read specifically about it in uh, Leviticus chapter 3 that it be in a peace offering. He says, I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings. Remember, all the fat is God. All of it belongs to the Lord. And he's specifying that here with the incense of rams. So those are already burning. Then, semicolon, where a sentence could end, but it continues. I will offer bullocks with goats. He's laying those on top of the burnt offering. He's offering a peace offering. Unto God, Selah. Come and hear now, verses 16 through 20 again. Come and hear all you that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. What has he done for his soul? What do we read about in all these previous verses? How God had laid affliction on them. He laid affliction on their loins. Now granted, we read about deliverance too, but we read about affliction. And he says, come and hear all you that fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. But verily, God hath heard me, and he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. He's given a peace offering. Why? 
The burnt offering was already there, and he was celebrating peace that he had with God, exactly what we started out with tonight in Leviticus chapter 3. The psalmist is talking about a burnt offering and laying the peace offering on top of that because of the peace that he has experienced with God. You go back to Proverbs chapter 7, y'all can read, read that at home tonight if you want to. That was, a, that was a woman that had taken advantage of a situation. She had gone, she had made her offering, and they set all the meat there, but she took what was due her, per God's law, and she took it home and made evil use of it. Here, the psalmist sees exactly what God has done for her. That woman in Proverbs 7, she had, if she had a clue, she could care less about what God had done for her. She was going to use that peace offering for her own satisfaction, for her own gratification, for her own desires. But here, the psalmist says, Verily, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God. He hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. There's a peace offering being made here. And this is the attitude that we should have, the same attitude that this psalmist had. He has not turned uh, turn uh, a deaf ear to my prayer. He has heard my prayer. Yes, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But it goes on to say after that, <clears throat> he says, but verily God hath heard me. In other words, I'm not regarding iniquity in my heart. Why? The burnt offering was made. The burnt offering was made as reconciliation. And now I'm given this peace offering. Because of the peace that I have with God, because of the atoning uh, uh, blood of the burnt offering that, that this peace offering is laying on top of here. Folks, when we, when we praise God, we, we give him thanksgiving. We should have the exact attitude of this psalmist. Yes, we've been tried. Yes, we've been tried as silver is tried. Yes, we've been put through the fire. We've been put through the sea. But God has delivered. And he deserves our peace offering, which is with our lips, which is with our heart. He deserves that from us. He saved our souls. And he loves us. But not only did he save us and he loves us, folks, he loves you and he loves me with the exact same love that he loves Jesus Christ with. And that is something to be thankful for. Amen. He delivered me. And he deserves every bit of peace offering I can give him. Once again, the peace offering is not to obtain peace. It's because we have peace Amen. with God. That's what I want you to get out of all this that I've talked tonight. That's what I want you to remember. Amen. That it is not to get peace with God. Peace with God was, was made through Jesus Christ dying on a cross. Amen. That was the way peace with mankind was made with God. And we offer praise to God continually with our lips. Hebrews chapter 13 talks about it. That's our offering unto God. Thank and you, folks. If that's the best we got, it's just to give him praise every day. And Amen. God knows that's your best, and he knows it's my best. That's good enough. Amen. Amen. That's good enough. Praise God bless you all. I appreciate your patience while I move through that. Has anybody got any questions or comments on